Welcome to Between the Shelves, the premier Save a Library podcast. I am your host, Alex, and this is the first of our best of 2023 episodes. We might have three or four of these. I don't know yet. I'm still waiting to hear back for some people. But uh, I'm super excited because I have two new guests on the podcast, never been on before. So thank you, Lizzie, for joining us. And Sam. Hello. Thanks for joining. Hello. Thanks. You're both two new additions to the library. So we honestly have not had any one-on-one interactions really at all up until right (laughs) now. (laughs) I've seen you walk by the desk and that's about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. So we're going to learn a lot about each other in this episode right now. Okay. So this is like a crash course of like, who are you? Um, so again, thank you for joining. And um, our listeners you can find Lizzie and Sam at the front desk right when you walk in. Yes, yes yep. you can. <laughs> uh, I'm also joined in this episode by Tim Sicarella. Hello. Our assistant director. Glad to Salute, be back. Saluting you. No, right don't now. do that. That's <laughs> gross. <laughs> Uh, so again, this is our best of 2023 episodes. We all have a lot to talk about. I don't want this episode to run super long, so let's just get right into it. Um, does anyone want to start off? I don't mind starting it off. You're good to start. Okay, I'll just start. So on this episode and every other episode, I have a book, a show, and some albums to talk about. So I'm going to start off with my book. Um, the book is called The Golden Age Part 2. Um, it's a graphic novel. Tim, have, have oh, you read yeah. the first one? Yes, actually, yeah. That first one came out last year. Uh, 2020. Or, I thought it was last oh year. God. It was a little while Maybe ago. Maybe I read it last year, but yeah, great graphic novel. It is a fantastic... It's one of my favorite graphic novels of all time. The artwork is stunning. It looks like an oil painting, like every single page is gorgeous. It's kind of uh, medieval... It's a fantasy... fantasy. Uh, yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, it's sort of set in this like French medieval kind of kingdom area and it's basically the the uh the king dies and the kingdom is supposed to be taken over by the daughter but the youngest son kind of usurps her kicks her out takes the crown and it's sort of about her trying to get back into power claim the throne and kind of doing it by starting a revolution like an uprising basically with all like the peasants and everybody else um so it's kind of like a Games of Thro- Game of Thronesy kind of story, but um, it's much more condensed. It doesn't have like a huge cast of characters. It's a much more compact story, um, and this is part two. So we like what I was saying. So I think it's a duology. This is the end of it. Okay. This is it. Um, so if you like the, f- I highly recommend the first one. This one is just as good, if not better. Um, it's a duo who write writes and and uh, illustrates it. It's Roxanne Morier and. Cyril Pedrosa, I think their names are. I'm sure that's correct pronunciation. That's the <laughs> correct pronunciation. I did my research. Um, anyways, it's fantastic. Like, the first part one was a five-star read for me. This one is also a five-star read. It's just stunning artwork. And it's um, larger than your average graphic novel. Like, it, the size of the book is larger. Yeah, the, it's, it's... Yeah, exactly. It's... Like a bigger format, maybe like ten inches by fourteen inches. Yeah. It's it's a pretty hefty size book. Not not long, but yeah, it's it's larger. The art looks like almost um, kind of like a fairy tale in a way. If like, yeah, it's hard to describe, but it's kind of like if you think of a fairy tale, mm-hmm. but like beautifully painted. Yeah. that's kind of what it comes across as. Yeah, it's very unique. I can't really compare it to anything else. Um, it's sort of like early, early Disney. That's when everything what I'm was of. like yeah. hand painted and 
that's sort of the style they're going for, but it's also like very uniquely their own. And um, there's not very much dialogue either, which is yeah. great. It's all, most of the story is told just visually, and it just works great. Um, again, I don't want to run on too long about it, but I can't recommend this series enough. It's only two books. We have them both at the library. Definitely check them out. The Golden Age. Do they go by like a conjoined name and are they French? Because I'm thinking... They're definitely of, not American. They're not American? Um, yeah, I think they're French because all of the characters have French names. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think they're European. Yeah, because if I'm correct, this I think this is the same author who does Beautiful Darkness, which came out a few years ago, and I'm obsessed with them. Hmm, I'll have to check that out. Yes, they're very good. Looking okay. up right now. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, definitely check out The Golden Age. So that is my, my book, best of 2023 book for this episode. Okay. Um, who wants to go next? I'd actually love to go next because sure. I didn't know if we'd be talking about graphic novels today, but I'm so excited we are. <laughs> um, I have a favorite graphic novel and then a favorite regular book. Um, I did for my favorite graphic novel is In Limbo by Deb J.J. Lee. Um, It is a memoir of her life from the beginning of high school up until uh, starting off college. And it's her just figuring out how to go through life dealing with racism, dealing with suicidal thoughts, dealing with like an abusive relationship with her mother and trying to figure that all out. And her art is just stunning. Uh, You're able to find her on like Twitter and on Instagram. And she just does these amazing posters for movies. That's how I found out about her. And I ended up just ordering her book and I'm not usually into um like non-fantasy books like they bore me very easily this one was so much fun to read like the pacing was great the writing was great i liked it very much yeah that's interesting because i don't usually read memoirs myself yeah i just i'm not really interested in other people's lives (laughs) yeah if the art is good i will read it yeah i was gonna say but graphic novel memoirs for some reason are usually are always fantastic A hundred percent, yeah. Okay, cool. That's a good... What's the author's name again? Uh, Deb J.J. Lee. Deb J.J. Lee. Okay, yes. cool. I'll check that out. What was that called? Uh, in Limbo. In Limbo. Nice. Uh, I do not have a graphic novel. Although I did read... <laughs> Me neither. I, I could, though, but... Because um, when you were talking about like the best of 2023, for books, I really don't read a lot of stuff as it comes out. I'm always catching up. So yeah. the one book that I did have... That's a graphic novel that came out in 2023 called The He-Man Effect. was excellent. Ooh, okay. Not my favorite book, though. My favorite graphic novel, because that was about... It's a nonfiction about basically how Mattel and... I forget the other company that made He-Man basically used uh, cartoons, the old He-Man cartoons and other like Transformers, to basically get kids to buy their product. So it was like... They were using psychology, all of this crazy psychology, and it traced the history of that. That's not my best of 2023, though. But it's great. That's by Brown, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Is it Box Brown? Box Brown. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really, uh, Christine is the one that recommended that. But actually, my favorite book of the year was uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, which started, it's the movies coming out, but it's a nonfiction from uh, at least a few years ago. And that is an excellent, the book is so good of tracing the history of like this crazy story of the Osage Native Americans, their their tribe that was basically, they ended up in Oklahoma, forcibly moved there, and then they happened to be on one of the richest oil lands in the entire country and became basically millionaires. 
and then how they were systematically picked off by other people that came to steal their money. And yeah. um, it's a crazy story. It's also uh, about the birth of the FBI and Edgar Hoover and all this other stuff. So I don't really read nonfiction all that much, but those two nonfiction books are both some of my favorite books of this year. Yeah, it doesn't even read like nonfiction. Like it's no. just such a crazy story. And I read it, I think last year, I read it as soon as I they announced that Martin Scorsese was going to direct the film adaptation. I was like, oh, I have to read this book now. And it's amazing. I'm not surprised at all that Scorsese jumped on yeah. this because it's it's a very violent story and it's just like the, it's it's a pretty wild story of yeah, it's, that it's, it's kind of lost to history in a way. Not anymore, but and that author does really good nonfiction too. He wrote um, The Lost, lost City, City of City Z, of C, which was also adapted in a movie. But the 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 book was uh, unbelievably good. So that was about like find trying to find treasure in the Amazon, and a lot of people just ended up dead. So, oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, but it was really, really good. So I don't remember the author off the top of my head. I'll have to look it up. I'll put it in the show notes. Sorry. It's interesting because, like, a lot of the nonfiction that you read, you don't even realize that all of this stuff happened. Like you said, it's kind of, like, forgotten half the time, mm-hmm. and then you're like, wow, I feel like I was, like, living under a rock. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. And, like, especially with, like, oh, I'm taking this music class in school, but... It was all about, like, the Native Americans and all the things that they've gone through. And it was only recently that there was a show that came out that had, like, a full indigenous cast. That's, like, the first time it's ever happened, and this was, like, two years ago. Yeah. It's just like, Reservoir it, dogs, it, right? Yes, yeah. It's, like, it's stuff like that where you're, like, why did I not know this? Like, you know? Reservation dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's... <laughs> every time I read it, I'm like, Reservoir, Mr. White. <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That's a great book. I highly recommend that book. Mm-hmm. All right. Lizzie, you have... Uh... Yes. You go next. So um, my favorite book that came out this year was actually the Paris Hilton memoir. Okay. I honestly this surprised me because I'm not a really big like Paris Hilton fan. Like necessarily, I've never really known anything about her, and her life has just been so crazy. And for me, at least, I'm sure she wrote it with someone, but it really felt like she was writing it. Like it didn't sound very, you know, choppy or over like not in her voice yeah like exactly it sounded exactly like she wrote it and it was just about her life growing up and basically how she was like the first influencer ever and she was kind of one of the first women who figured out how to get paid for like going out and partying and like doing all this stuff and she actually went to i don't know if anyone knows anything about her but she went to a um like basically like a teenager like rehab and it was basically very abusive and she had a lot of PTSD that she was going through and she didn't know it was PTSD and she didn't tell anyone anything about it. So it was kind of about her, how she worked through that. You know, she was partying all day, all night. And it was only recently, I think in 2020, she went back to that place that she was kept and they were kind of like protesting outside. And a lot of the parents who had their kids there took them out um, because she started explaining what was happening and those like horrible things and she also wrote about like how she was having a kid and things like that and I just thought it was so interesting um because again I also don't really like nonfiction that much I mean it's more of a autobiography than anything but still I just thought it was really really good yeah she's had a fascinating go of it I didn't even think about being like the first influencer aspect of it but mm-hmm. she had I mean she was she's the first person I can think of first modern one yeah exactly like yeah. that's what 
Ca- well, to make, was, like, a living out of... Right. Yeah, like, because she was already obviously famous because she's a Hilton, but she really knows how to connect and how to work, and that's kind of what she was explaining, how, you know, she mentions how she was friends with Britney and how she was friends with, like, Kim Kardashian and these things. Like, before they were even big, and she kind of brought them up, too. And mm. I just read Britney Spears' memoir autobiography literally yesterday, and she even brought up how, like, her and Paris Hilton used to go out all the time, and, like, it was just fun. And it, I also really liked how she talked about how technology has changed, like, throughout all the years, and how when she used to go out and party, it was so fun because you could just kind of, like, let go, you could do whatever, and she saw the change of how technology, now everyone's kind of, like, you know, they're kind of, like, watching their back, kind of, you know, you don't really let go as much as you could have, yeah. like what she was saying, and she noticed that that was Yeah, super, in her day, she just yeah. had to look out for paparazzi, and now everyone's a paparazzi with <coughs> smartphones. Exactly, exactly. And, like, sometimes I think that, like, the technology aspect of stuff is, like, a little tacky, but it, the way that she explained everything was just so good. Hmm. It's funny, because I'm, I think, around her age, and uh, just for me growing up, I could not stand her... I, it was just she was everywhere she had that show that was the worst and and like <laughs> there's just a lot between her and Britney it's just funny for me seeing them now like coming out with memoirs and it just makes me feel old I guess but <laughs> it's just funny because it's like they're now you're seeing and this is across the board like how people that that are grew up in the 90s I guess and early 2000s how they were treated would not fly now and now it's like come all coming around of like they're telling their side of the story and how terrible it all was and it's just interesting having grown up with these people in you know the landscape i guess and seeing it now how it's interpreted exactly and like with this um i don't know how to describe it i guess it's just it's almost just like a teenage rehab thing that she went to like it was a lot that had to do with the parents which was super interesting because i think I heard that Tom Hanks had a similar thing happen to him. Like, I think he sent his son to one of these, like, teenage facilities, and... Is this the son that's the rapper? <laughs> I'm honestly yeah, well, not sure. I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it came out that, like, when she was explaining it, too, that she would run away and call her parents, and they were told to not believe anything that they would say, so it caused her to just not trust anyone until she kind of, like, met her husband. Anyway, okay, I'm like rambling now. It was just so good. It was so good. Yeah, it'll be a HBO miniseries in like within two years. Probably, yeah. Uh, okay, I guess it's back to me. Um, so my next best of 2023 item is a show. And Tim, you might have even been the one who recommended this to me. Uh, Scavenger's Reign on HBO. That was not me. I did see half of the first episode and... It as far as you made it? too weird for me, and I like weird <laughs> stuff, but that was, I couldn't do it. Uh, so this is uh, an animated show on HBO Max, or Max, whatever they're calling it nowadays. It, it literally just came out like yeah. a month ago. I, capital B, binged the show. I watched the entire <laughs> series in three nights. It is so, so good. I, you should really give it another shot. Yeah. It's, um, it's a, basically, it's about uh, a some survivors on this like lush jungle sort of alien planet. Uh, they're stranded there when something happens to their ship and they get stranded on this planet. And it kind of follows these three separate groups kind of trying to make their way on this planet, try to, try to survive. So one group is trying to like make a settlement and try to 
they realize that they're not going to be rescued, so they're just trying to make the best of it. One group is trying to scheme a way to get off the planet, and then another group is kind of going crazy being stranded on this crazy jungle planet. Um, and it's really fascinating to watch how these characters all play off one another. And um, it is like a hard sci-fi kind of story, but it's yeah. it's not... The themes of the show are not sci-fi themes. It's really about relationships, trust, um, guilt, things like that. Like how these characters sort of like... You get you get story like backstory of what happened, what a, to get them stranded in flashbacks from one of the characters, which without I don't want to spoil anything, but is really cleverly done to incorporate the flashbacks into the show. So you start to learn a little bit more of the backstory, and um, some of the characters are more guilty than others of how things progress the way they are, and it's just a really really well done show. The pacing of it is very slow and deliberate. Uh, like the animation really it's almost like a Japanese film like a Kurosawa film because they'll just have like long shots of just nature with no dialogue um, so the pacing is very slow on purpose and it's just fascinating like it's, it's, pretty, it's so good it's pretty wild too with how they treat um, the science fiction aspect of it because it really makes you feel like it's an alien planet like it yeah. the Things visually, like you couldn't see, you couldn't do this in any other medium. Like it has to be animated just because no. of how weird yeah. stuff, just the alien creatures, the robot, like all of it is just pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I thought it was an anime show at first just because the animation quality is so high and you normally only see that in anime, not in Western animation or yeah. American, especially American animation, but it's not an anime. It's very unique. It's its own bird it's i I really can't compare it to anything else other than really anime because you know that's they generally appreciate the art form of animation more in in japan but i just um there's a great video um there's a a youtube guy i follow nerd writer who does like he usually writes about movies and things but he did a great video on on this show and he kind of compares it to i don't know if you've seen like werner Herzog films but a lot of his films deal with the same themes of like man versus nature or mm-hmm. uh, men, like capital M, like humanity being like humbled by nature, like finding themselves like in awe of nature and nature just overwhelming humanity's, you know, trying to tame it as like a theme. And that's definitely present in this in this um, show. And uh, like Tim was saying, like the whole world is they do such a great job of making it feels alien like so foreign like all the creatures just behave in ways you've never seen organic life work on this planet um just the way it's they interact with the the plant life and the animal life and it's just amazing like how much thought they put into the environment um anyways i can't recommend the show enough i cannot wait for season two the cliffhanger of season one is just chef's kiss like amazing <laughs> like it's so good well, um yeah so. um hopefully hbo max doesn't do the thing that they've been doing where they just cancel things oh my god i can't <laughs> handle that this year it's been too much <laughs> they've done it a lot so hopefully you get a season two alex i hope so but it season one does end like it does kind of have an ending yeah but they do kind of leave open some threads for, for a season two and i just want to see where these 
this team does. It's that they're two, I forget what the guy's names are, the creators, but I really want to see where they go with it. Um, Because I've read interviews with them and they said like they have so many more ideas. Like they didn't get to use 10% of what they have in their like, you know, the Bible or whatever that they use to draw inspiration from for like all their ideas. So I really hope they they do pick it up and keep going. I'll, I'll revisit it again. I'll try it again. Yeah, it's, give it a shot. It takes, it took me like, at least one or two episodes before you start getting in the rhythm of it and then yeah. it just clicked like I couldn't stop watching it at that point so if you're a fan of like uh, the movie or the book Annihilation I love Annihilation I think you'll like it uh, if you like the art style of Mobius the artist you'll like this and I never saw Lost but I I can see some parallels mm-hmm. between this show and Lost as well so anyways Scavenger's Reign on HBO check it out That's that's my show <laughs> I can go next. Um, so I'm not good with TV series. Like, I fall off of them immediately. If we're talking about my favorite show that I've just seen clips on on TikTok, it would be Fiona and Cake, which is a continuation of Adventure Time. That if I explain any of it, it will spoil it. But for something I've started, it's probably Scott Pilgrim Takes oh. Off. And what it is, is the original story of Scott Pilgrim, it's based off a graphic novel. And it's this guy who falls in love with a girl named Marona, no, Ramona, and she ends up having seven evil ex-boyfriends that he has to fight, and then he grows along the way. Um, the TV show, however, I thought it was just going to be a direct like yeah. thing. Turns out, Scott, this is a spoiler for it, obviously, Scott loses in the first battle, and then we follow Ramona as she tries to make amends with all these evil ex-boyfriends. And it's just such a fun, like, diverging from... A, the comic books, and B, the movie, like the live-action one. And there's so many new characters, there's so much new representation for it, and the art style is just beautiful. That is an anime, too. Yeah. So I I read the book way back when it came out. It's one of my favorite graphic novels. Mm -hmm. Loved the movie. And then watched the first episode. And I wish I knew that going in, that it wasn't going to be Scott's story, because by the end of the episode... I was like, well, this is dumb. It's just a, like a, almost a one-for-one recreation That's up until the end. And I was like, I don't want to bother watching this if this is what it's going to be. But if I knew... Well, I'm watching the rest of it now. I just haven't finished it yet. But if right. I knew going in that it was going to be a very different type of story, mm-hmm. I would have been fully in that first episode and liked it probably more. Yeah, I was going to go into it expecting it to be a full recreation, but just because the animation was really nice. Right. But then the minute he loses, I'm like... Huh? (laughs) Like what? And then we go to the whole next episode and everyone's like leaving the dance hall that he ends up dying in. And I'm just like, so that's it? (laughs) (laughs) What happens the next six episodes? Um, But that's very fun so far. Yeah. That I, uh, I, the movie is like one of my favorite Edgar Wright movies. Uh, It's up there. But um, that I just, I really do appreciate how they're changing it up and, Yes. Even if it's like, it still probably won't rank up there with, I guess it's, I just have too much sentimental ties to like the original stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But they're doing a really good job. And yeah, the animation style is so good. Yeah. What it was, was that when I read the graphic novels, I was too young to be reading those graphic novels. <laughs> so I didn't understand most of it. And now I go back and as an adult and I'm like, oh, uh, none of that was appropriate. No. So... <laughs> Especially, like, if you're in your 20s, it's... Yeah. Scott's in his 20s. It just, like, resonates. It resonated for me when... I guess it came out in, like, 
early 2010s, maybe earlier than that, actually. I'm not, I can't really remember. I don't know. I feel like the black and white seven versions or came out earlier than that. Maybe, yeah. And um, I haven't revisited the graphic novel in a while, but they are, they're still great. Absolutely. And they, oh, they also have the original, the, all the voices are the actors yes. from the movie. I, great. Just hearing Wallace come back, I was so excited because I love Wallace's character in the live action movie. Yeah, it was perfect. Yes. Um, I just want, I watched, no, I listened to an interview actually, um, Triple Click, the podcast we mm-hmm. listened to, they recently reviewed this show and they were saying how, well, first of all, this new show on Netflix, the original, the creator of the comic books wrote it. So it's the original creator of the show, Brian, Brian, Brian Lee O'Malley yes. and uh, Edgar Wright, the director of the movie comes back as a producer. Yeah. So it's all the. Like, all the creative forces are there. It's not like a new team taking it over. So if you liked the show, or the books, rather, or the movie, you can find something in this that you'll like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Triple Click, they were talking about how, I guess, Leo Malley was kind of felt um, kind of trapped by Scott Pilgrim because it took off. It was such a smash success that he couldn't do anything else other than Scott Pilgrim after that. Like, none of his other stories were taking off. So this was an opportunity for him to tell a new story, but still keeping it in the Scott Pilgrim like universe, so he kind of just flipped. It's like an alternate yeah. dimension, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. yeah, I will say Seconds and Snot Girl was really good. Yeah, I've heard Seconds is great. That's been yeah. on my to read list for a while. Snot Girl confuses me all the time. Yeah, but... I couldn't get into Snot Girl, but Seconds I did appreciate that. Yeah. One. Cool. Uh, who's next? Tim? Oh. Tim, sure. Um, so we're talking TV shows, right? Um, uh, there were a few really great shows like Ahsoka, which I don't know if you guys, t- did you watch that? Uh, listeners, if you want to hear my thoughts on Ahsoka, go back and listen I'll to, listen to that episode, <laughs> the last I, episode I of the podcast. Um, I liked it and, and thought it was dumb at the same time, but, uh, that's my hot take. So then there was uh, reservation dogs, which was at uh, this third season was really good, but I think the earlier sh- seasons were better, but still a great show. But the show that like resonated with me the most out of any show probably in the last few years is How To with John Wilson. It's on HBO. Um, it's also like I don't know if it made a difference that John Wilson is from Rocky Point. That's where I live right now, and he's like the age of some of my friends, and some of my friends actually know like remember him being the weirdo in high school. And he's very much a weirdo, and it's very much a w- very weird show about. Um, basically he lives in, he lives in Brooklyn and, or Queens, I forget which, but he's just filming all the time. And there's a premise to each episode where it's like how to, this is the first one that comes to my mind is how to clean your ears. And it's pretty disgusting, but then it like ends up in these super profound endings with just like real humanity. And he never like, he's recording people doing weird stuff of just like, who he's capturing and a lot of his he narrates over the entire thing and he's I've listened to a recent he was on um WTF podcast with Mark Marin and he talked about how it's like he kind of has a poetry to his narration that matches with what you're seeing in like just juxtaposing it in really funny ways it's so funny but then it's like he ends up talking have getting these stories out of just these people that 
are just like weird segments of society that you probably would never hear from. And just he ends up at um, this whole uh, retreat for people that uh, cryogenically the cryogenic. they like they, yeah. they basically are paying to have their heads cryogenically frozen, like for real life doing that. And like, who are these people? Why are they doing this? <laughs> That's crazy. And it's, uh, but some of them have these insane stories of just their life and how they ended up there and how to repair a vacuum. Something with a vacuum was one episode that was amazing. It's hard to tie back what happens in the episode to where, the title of it because it yeah. goes on such a wild tangent. Crazy like, tangents. And this was the third season and that was it. He said, that's, that's it. And it ends with like revelations about earlier seasons stuff that happened and oh my god it was really it was just such an amazing show so that how to with john wilson was like i said it was one of the more impactful shows that i've probably seen in a really long time i i talked about this show at length in a previous episode and it's i'm not going to do it again but it is absolutely one of my favorite things that came out this year and it's almost unclassifiable it it creates he solely has created his own genre of film it's amazing it's documentary style in the form of a documentary but it's not a documentary but it's not it's like a poetry documentary it's almost like a live action like a a a video version of a meme like i can't even describe it it's very very hard to describe yeah and it's just hilarious too it's just so funny of like the things that he says Matching with what you're seeing is just, I can't, I have almost in tears sometimes of how funny it yeah, is. Yeah, I have not laughed as hard yeah. watching that show. Than I, it's the juxtaposition. It's like what you're seeing just is, and what he's describing. What he captures on camera is yeah, just amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And the places that he goes to. Like, he starts in New York always, but he'll end up anywhere in the country. Yeah. The first season, too, when he, I think it might have been the first episode, and he ends up like part like he's at some party and there's like this bro guy and he's like just super obnoxious but then he like goes back with him to his hotel room and he's just like yeah let's hang out and they just like the guy's talking about his life and it's sad and it's just like I said profound it's crazy yeah he has a talent for finding just the oddest people and then and just, letting them talk and this and just yeah talk. and just uh, leeching himself to them and yeah. just just they open up to him. I don't know. He has a gift. Yeah. So, yeah. That's my favorite show. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lizzie, what do you got? Okay. Um, I'm honestly not a big like TV show person. I do have one, but like I always just rewatch the same like three movies. Like I just watch like <laughs> um, I watch like Home Alone like every other day. It's like just not good. <laughs> but yeah. So the show that I did watch that I came out this year, it came out in August. It's Shelter. It's on Amazon Prime, and it's based off of the Mickey Bolotar series by Harlan Coben. It's like a huge like book series, I guess. I liked it a lot because also it came out every week as I was watching it, and I was like, wow, this is so nice to not just binge a show in one day. I miss that format. <laughs> yeah, like... This is how Alex and I grew up. Yeah. It is nice to see it kind of coming back, because it really does make you appreciate a show more 100 percent. like it was it came out on thursdays like every thursday i was like oh my god i can't wait to see what happens and it was just eight episodes so it was like short they were like 45 minutes um but the main character mickey his dad just passed away in like this crazy bizarre car accident and his mom is 
in and out of like also a rehab, but I think it's because she's like chronically depressed. So he's living with his aunt, who is his brother's sister, and I'm sorry, his dad's sister, sorry. And he's starting to learn that his there's like more layers to what his dad and his mom did as their career and how it kind of like tied into why he died. And he just meets like kind of like funny characters. I think that they're so funny, personally. I think they're so funny. But yeah, I mean that was kind of really it was just like it was a good show. It some of the plot lines were a little bit like, okay, I don't really know where that's coming from. Like, <laughs> I don't know why it kept tying back to like Nazi Germany. I don't know why. And I watched it twice and I was like, I just don't know where this comes <laughs> into play. Like, I don't know what's going on. But Sounds hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> just a fun sprinkle of Nazi Germany. <laughs> it's just like, I, I don't know why that's here. Um, but overall, it was really good. And I really did like it. So it's like a thriller? Yeah, it's like a mystery thriller, but it's not too dark because I don't like dark stuff at all. I can't yeah. do it. So it was like a dark comedy, sort of. Um, not even like a comedy. It was just like, I mean, I just I thought that they had like good like one liners type of thing, but overall it was kind of like a drama, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I kept seeing it pop up, and the trailer would start to play. I'm like, what? I don't know. Is this a hard... Like, it almost was, like, horror... The trailer just makes it seem different than what it yeah. actually sounds like. Yeah, like, the one of the biggest kind of plot, Not, like, a spoiler, but one of the biggest plots is how there's, like, this woman who lives down the block, and she knows Mickey's dad and, like, why he died, so he keeps trying to go back to her and, like, figure out... I guess that was kind of, like, the horror part, because, okay. like, they tried to make it, like, really scary. It wasn't super scary, but I was like, okay, it's, like... <laughs> Amazon Prime miniseries, like how good can we be? Like, whatever. So yeah, I recommend it. Just like a quick, quick binge. Yeah, eight episodes. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. They're starting to get into. It seems like Amazon's getting into the adapting books game now because they're doing that with a lot of different properties. Yeah, I think was that. Did you watch the summer I turned pretty? No, no, but I did watch Red, White, and Royal Blue. Oh yeah, and so yeah, yeah so like they're multiple ones already. Yeah, yeah, they're doing pretty okay with it. I thought they would flop immediately, mm-hmm. but I think they're doing pretty right. All right, it's good. Yeah, I mean they're doing the Wheel of Time, and yeah. I'm still trying to get through the second season. I do like it, uh, and I think they're they're really doing like they're putting like all the money into that and the mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings that stuff. So they're really stepping up their TV game. All right. Uh, my next thing is a music album. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the end of the year, I like I when I was younger, younger, like when I was your age and your <laughs> age, uh, <laughs> yeah, I would uh, a lot younger. I would be really like tapped into like the music scene. Like I knew what was coming out all the time. Now I don't have that time or patience anymore. So. Um, so you're listening to Raffi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this time of year is when I start to really dig into music because all the best of the year album like lists come out. So th- this na- this album was on many lists. Um, it's a in uh, the artist's name is Blonde Shell, Blonde Shell, uh, and it's her self-titled album, Blonde Shell. So it, she's an artist uh, named Sabrina who is from New York, and I guess she had some success on like Bandcamp and releasing stuff online under the art under her previous artist name which was Baum B A U M and it was more like poppy stuff and I guess this is like her kind of like rebranding herself as like an indie rock kind of artist in the vein of like Courtney Barnett if you know her at all um, or like Angel Olsen kind of like that wheelhouse mm-hmm. so 
I think she is as good as both of those artists. And I love Courtney Barnett and Angel Olsen. Like they are my favorites, some of my favorites. And I think this rises definitely to their level. Um, it ranges from kind of like this pop grungy sort of style indie rock, but she also has some kind of like folky singer songwriter songs as well. Um, it's just beautifully produced. She has a great voice. It's yeah, this album really came out of nowhere for me. I've never, but uh, it, it's a very, very catchy album. Lots of earworm things. You'll just be like humming to yourself throughout the day. It's a great album to just kind of put in the background and chill out to. Overall, I, it's just a really great kind of poppy singer-songwritery album with like a little bit of indie, indie grunge kind of influence. So again, if you like like Courtney Barnett, this is like the next best thing. Like this is right in that wheelhouse. So yeah, because she hasn't really done a lot lately. No, she hasn't. I don't think she had an album that come out this year. She had her little thing with uh, what's that guy's name? The guitarist. Um, anyways, yeah, she hasn't been. She's been touring, I think. Yeah. But um. Yeah, definitely check out Blonde Shell if you if you want. I'll put the link to it in the show notes um, because I think she's gonna she's gonna blow up, and she's a you know New York artist too. So definitely check her out. So that's my that's my first of two music recommendations. But I don't know if we want to go around the the room again or come back to me for my final one. Or yeah, what is it? All right, cool. So my other album of the year is I Play My Bass Loud by Gina Birch. So. Um, this is another kind of like indie, post-punky sort of genre album. Uh, Gina Birch has been around, has apparently been around since like the '70s. Uh, this is her first solo album, though, and she's 67. It's her first solo album. Uh, she's a bassist, and I guess she was in uh, a British punk band called the Raincoats in the '70s and '80s that was really big. I'd never heard of them, but I'm definitely gonna check them out now. Anyways, uh, so her first solo album, it's Still kind of in that post-punky sort of wheelhouse, but it's more uh, like bass-heavy, like kind of groovy sort of, like mellowy sort of groovy tunes. Um, it's kind of like Gorillas, like if you like the band Gorillas, but without like the rapping, it's kind of like just like their beats kind of. Because they have great beats. Yeah. So I was like, okay, sh- <laughs> I, I want to hear the melody, thank you. <laughs> it's like that, but like less produced, like more like you know, like a four-piece band. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of in that wheelhouse. And then, like, Public Image Limited, you're both way too young to know who that is. But <laughs> uh, that's another kind of, like, band that's, I think, influenced uh, Gina Birch's solo stuff. It's, like, another great album to just play in the background, like, chill, good vibes. Like, if you're cooking or, I don't know, it's wrapping present season, something like that. This is, like, a great album to have in the background. Um, my favorite tracks are... I play my bass loud, the self-titled track. That's her like her hit from this album, and it's fantastic. I'm playing it every day now. Notes fly around the room, dancing to their tune. Notes fly across the street. Notes rattle your feet. Notes fly around the room, dancing to their tune. Notes rattle your feet. They fly across the street. 
some of the other tracks um, are really, really good. She has really powerful lyrics. Like she's described this album as like a feminist album. Like, and uh, some of those those tracks definitely uh, like I can absolutely like the lyrics and the song are really, really powerful. Um, I am rage. I will never wear stilettos. And the feminist song like are three extremely powerful, like awesome, awesome songs. So definitely check those out. So the album, again, is called I Play My Bass Loud by Gina Birch. Sounds good. Check them out. Cool. That's all I got for this episode. What about you guys? Okay, cool. Um, so I go. I also have two. I won't go into great detail with it. The, one of them is an internet controversy, apparently. But I love AJR, and they just came out with a new album called The Maybe Man. Wait, what do you mean it's an internet controversy? Some people hate them. Oh, I like them. Yeah, no, they're like, this is music for people without taste. And I'm like, I'm having fun. That's not fair. (laughs) Leave me alone. Exactly. (laughs) But they're kind of like a pop techno band. They had um, a few hits, A, on TikTok, but also on the radio. So like Burn the House Down is one of them. Or like World's Smallest Violin. But this one, they have a new song that came out called Inertia. And it's very, very good. Now you're not in love anymore. But you'll stick it out for like 20 years more to say it all. Don't you like a digger better, but you do what you do what you can. Don't you like a little bit? I describe their music as like, if you want to dissociate, like, safely. And I... <laughs> But it's just, it's a very nice vibey music for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the other album I have is Olivia Rodrigo's Guts. Um, I really liked Vampire. She's starting to work on doing, like, punk stuff a little bit more. It's not incredibly punk. It's like that mixture of pop. It's right like now. Avril Lavigne. It's yes, it's very Avril Lavigne. Yeah. But I would also describe it as, like, Girl, uh, Girl in Red meets Aurora, mm-hmm. which Aurora is very, like, Norwegian folk music, which sounds a little odd. And then Girl in Red is like that pop kind of LGBT, like, love music. Um, and it's just, it's very, very nice to listen to. I also like um, All American B Word. I don't know if I can curse here. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, I can believe it. <laughs> you can, so All American B And then uh, Lacey was also very good on that track. Uh, one of my favorite albums from this year was Sufjan Stevens' Javelin. He just released it, I think, at the end of August, beginning of September. He's one of my favorite artists of all time. And he uh, he's like, the last few years, he's kind of been a little hit or miss with some of his releases. But this past, this release is like kind of a return to form for him. He's It's folk-ish mixed with pop. And... So for this release, he released it and he literally got this disease. I forget the name of it. It's like this extremely rare disease of bacterial infection that pretty much paralyzed him. So he was paralyzed and now he's like working his way back from being paralyzed. So he released it at at the same time and he also lost a partner of his that he dedicated the album to that this person died. Um, So it's it's under like this kind of... of these sad circumstances that you're listening to this and it's like it puts the album in a certain point of view i guess but it's not a sad album either um it just gives context to the album and it's a it's a beautiful album that's uh it's definitely a return to form for him and he's he's such a great artist so and he basically he's one of those crazy multi-instrument instrumentalists that does like almost everything on his own except for like the backing vocals so he can play he always has a banjo going, guitar, 
drums, like so many different things, woodwinds, it's crazy. too but I, but he has he is hit or miss for me this album was one of the misses unfortunately uh, i kind of like when he's playing the role of composer more than sad folk songy but i understand where, like that's where i came in like because his original releases were kind of not sad folk but i mean he his first two major albums were michigan and illinois and they're both kind of about the states themselves and then about his personal things in his life and he's had a really crazy life with how he grew up and he always kind of weaves that into a story where it's like you're not sure what he's talking about who he's talking about and it just makes for pretty beautiful albums so javelin that was that might be my number one and then uh, i was having a hard time figuring out a number two because there was a few different ones like indigo d'souza's new album was really good m83 i loved their album fantasy that came out but um Youth Lagoon, uh, they have Heaven is a Junkyard. So Youth Lagoon came out. It's like bedroom pop, and that's from he came out with that his first album when that was kind of a pretty new genre. So it was early, probably early two thousands, maybe mid two thousand. But so he has a new album out that's like a return, also kind of a return to form in that of just uh, he's from. Oklahoma maybe or I forget one of those middle states and a lot of what he talks about sings about is dr- like the the craziness of the drug issues that happen like meth comes up a lot in his songs it's beautiful music but it's just like really dark stuff sometimes of just like what he's seen he's had friends that have died from drug overdoses and just stuff like that so A little heavy, but also great, great music. So that's uh, Youth Lagoon. Yeah, that album was showing up on a few lists. I got to check that one. It's so good. And he hasn't done, he's done, his name is Trevor Powers, and he hasn't, he's done like solo stuff for a while and kind of abandoned Youth Lagoon as like a band, quote unquote. But he kind of brought it back and, oh my God, so good. So good. It's like bedroom pop, basically. Mm -hmm. I'll have to check that out. All right, do you want to close out the episode? Do you have another recommendation? Yeah. So, Actually, um, Sean, who also works here, so we're in the tech department and I just kind of play music on my computer for everyone. So recently we've been listening to the sub- minus or subtract, I don't know what he goes by, for Ed Sheeran's last album that he came out with. Um, that's been really good. I, I honestly just started listening to it like a couple weeks ago, but I like to just shuffle it. It's like very nice. And Sean was actually telling me how kind of similar his friend who he was friends with like forever passed away suddenly i think it was from a drug overdose and then his wife also got cancer while she was pregnant with their baby oh and so he wrote like all that she's okay now i think she went through treatment and everything and the baby's healthy but a lot of the lyrics are kind of about that and how like he was so scared with everything that was happening and it's just honestly really beautiful i think he's so, so talented how can it be this heavy every song reminds me you're gone and i feel the lump form in my throat I'm here alone Just dancing with my eyes closed Um, and then my 
um, I was going to say my favorite concert I went to this year. I thought that go for it. That was like the yeah. only one I could think of. Um, so long story short, my friend had an extra ticket for the Lumineers. They went to Jones Ooh. Beach. That was literally the best concert I've been to in like two years. It was so good. It was at Jones Beach, like I just said, and the whole place was literally sold out. I swear, it was full. They had such a good stage presence because I don't really listen to them much besides you know some of their popular songs and I was like okay is this just gonna be like them sitting there for a couple hours like whatever but they were dancing around the whole stage they were like interacting with the crowd it was so fun and I would definitely see them again just because it was so entertaining because I've been to concerts where I'm like wow this feels like three hours and like I kind of want to go home now (laughs) and that was so I would have stayed there like all night it was so much fun nice so yeah would recommend seeing them Lumineers is a band that, like, I know they're a band. I cannot name one song that they have, like, I know they have popular songs. I know, like, like, Ophelia, like, Cleopatra, literally Ho-Hey is, like, very Ah, that one. Yeah, like, (laughs) and even that, like, you know, they've been performing that for, what, 10 years? And they were still, you could just tell they were still so excited to just be performing, which is cool. So, yeah, those are my top two. (laughs) You know, uh, I don't like a lot of pop music right now that's going on but you always gotta give it to them like they know how to put on a show a lot of those people yeah like i mean look at taylor swift and her show you know she knows how to perform and like i'm not so i've tried listening to taylor swift stuff and yeah they're for me it's like hit or miss but yeah damn she knows how to put on a show she has like 80 songs in a night it's crazy talent that's like like, like yeah. bruce springsteen level of like you put on like a three-hour show and he's been doing that for like i decades. actually i saw him i think i think it was in april whenever he came around to new york he didn't even drink water literally for like three i was like i'm tired watching you yeah oh, yeah man, so <laughs> it was it was, it was so fun MSG? um it was at ubs oh okay yeah that was just... It's like my biggest regret of the year, literally, not getting tickets for Springsteen. It was... He is, like, 70 and literally had a six-pack, I swear. Yeah. I was like, there's no way! There's no way! look at his show. He's just crazy. Yeah. And he's been doing that for decades. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. Really yeah, does. literally. I could barely walk up a flight of stairs. <laughs> we took the elevator up yeah. there today. We did. I think that's it. That's 2023 wrapped up. Uh, thank you all for joining me and, uh, and us and sharing your recommendations yeah thank you, for having us. Thank yeah. you. my pleasure let's hope 2024 has uh, some more good stuff for us to talk about next year yeah, absolutely so. amen all right <laughs> bye bye, bye. bye.